0: Hi, I'm D Betts, and you're listening to Pen and Plume, a podcast for creative writers and imagination seekers. Thanks for listening with us today. If you're looking for short stories with a fantasy sci-fi twist, you've come to the right place. Make sure to stay connected with us on social media so you can have access to all content. Facebook, Pen and Plume. Instagram, Pen, P-E-N, underscore, and underscore, Plume. Without further ado... Let's go to today's plume piece, Obsidian Inn. While sitting at his office desk, shuffling through and reviewing papers, Val Obsidian prepared a new batch of printed invoices for his patrons. As owner of the infamous Obsidian Inn, he had clientele coming and going at all hours of the night. His eyes darted to and fro from his work into the aged mirror that showed visions from around the perimeter of his quaint establishment. No need for modern technology when you have an ancient sentient security system. Magic always did the trick in most cases. Although it was the usual busy weekend, Val was waiting for two specific visitors. One was a rather hefty longtime donor and the other was a new hire whom he would have to train himself. Although she was quite experienced, it would be just his luck that the two showed up at the same time. After folding and slipping the last invoice into its envelope, he enclosed it by pressing a black sealing wax with the ends insignia. He gathered them all and stepped in front of the long mirror to examine his gray three-piece suit and tie. After a quick wave check, he returned to the front desk. The lobby was dimly lit with the comforting warm light of lamps and hanging fixtures. The ornate decor spoke to antiquated times and brought a sense of nostalgia for his clientele. The parlor was empty, but was available to those patrons who needed to meet or relax. A large gargoyle statue placed in the middle of the room served as a huge centerpiece. He smiled at his business. The inn had been open for centuries now, but of course, the Obsidian Inn didn't accommodate your typical clientele. Housed on the edge of Makai, where otherlies or supernatural beings lived, and Gaia, also known as Earth, it existed as housing for those traveling between the two. The inn's patrons belonged to the many ancient tribes of ghouls, ghosts, witches, vampires, werewolves or lichen, succubi, incubi, automatons, golems, shapeshifters, and etc. Val felt a vibration in his breast pocket. Reaching in, he pulled out a small, portable Aegis mirror to see a woman approaching from outside. Her scarlet coat reached to the floor and was buttoned to the top, a scarf wrapped around her head. She also carried a tote with her. Waving a hand over the mirror, the door granted her access. As it creaked open, she walked in, leaving the harsh outdoor elements behind. He smiled as he watched her pull the scarf from her head and approach the desk. He took in the way she walked and carried herself. She was tall and had a bob haircut. Unbuttoning her coat, she wore a black pantsuit and chic ankle boots. He nodded in approval and came around the desk to greet her. Hello, sir. Rubio Kappa. She introduced herself with a cool smile. Ah, yes. Welcome to the Obsidian Inn, premier lodging for all Makayans. I'm Val Obsidian, owner and curator of this fine establishment. Welcome aboard. I'll take your coat and give you a walkthrough before your shift starts. Val took her coat and reached for her tote. She nonchalantly switched arms and began to dig through it, giving a clear refusal. He respectfully turned and hung her coat on the rack. So, Miss Kappa, as assistant manager of the Obsidian Inn, you will handle correspondence, assigning tasks, manage the staff, and I will fill in where applicable. It is in your best interest to study and learn all of our clientele by name and face. I have a manual to help. Also, while working here, feel free to rid yourself of the human guise and be your natural self. All Makaians are safe here. Thank you, Mr. Obsidian. I am in my natural form, Ruby reassured him. Oh, great. What tribe do you belong to, if you don't mind me asking? Immortal. Since 1492. Ah, 1492. A settler of the so-called New World of Gaia? Val remarked at her possible ancestry. No, my family belonged to the tribes already in the New World. Very well. Val began her tour of the inn. He walked Ruby through the amenities. Visible from the full wall-length windows, there was an indoor pool. A merman swam laps, his aqua-colored skin and fins reflecting off the lights. In the theater room, there was a Makayan film playing about the love story of opposing tribes. The dining halls were bathed in warm lighting from hanging chandeliers. Cooks and servers scrambled to keep the clientele well-fed and waited on. Passing the spa area, a gin with cold black skin and burning eyes exited the room. A towel was wrapped around his waist. Mr. Dismany, I hope you're enjoying your stay. Val greeted him. As always, thank you, Sid. He smiled and nodded. This is Ms. Rubio Kappa, our newest assistant manager. Val introduced her. A pleasure. Mr. Dismini took her hand and planted a kiss before continuing on his way. That was Orin Dismany a gin released from servitude in a bottle. Surprisingly, after thousands of years of servitude instead of revenge, he chooses to live his life in comfort and travel. This inn is one of his favorite places to relax. Our clients live different lifestyles, but the ones that frequent this inn are either preparing to cross into Gaia or are returning from the trip. And as we know, that can be a danger itself. Hunting, whichever way you may need it, and with that may come the need for medical services. We have a facility on site and a green witch nurse who can patch up almost any ailment or injury, and afterward, they rest. Val walked Ruby toward the corridor of quarters. As mentioned before, we have a high clientele that stay here with us. Some are very private and keep to themselves. Others are friendly and don't mind conversing and spending time. Whatever the case, security, privacy, and care are the luxuries we provide here. As expected, there's much ancient magic used to help in those areas. Guests do not need to carry a key of some sort. I've created a check-in system through simple spells that allow patrons access to their rooms. They have the ability to grant access to others if they please. Sometimes our clients have specific rooms that they order each time, like Mr. Jerome Jupiter and Miss Junie Calgoria, an incubus and succubus couple. They happen to love the Garnet Suite. The room re-energizes them as they share... Romantic energy harvested from their marks. (laughs) The Amber Room is a favorite for witches, sorcerers, most magic wielders in general. We have a room that accommodates all Makaians and what they need most for comfort. The two most urgent rules are respect and no humans on the premises. We prefer this place to stay neutral and comfortable for the patrons. Next, I'll show you... uh, Excuse me. The familiar vibration interrupted him. Grabbing the mirror, he saw a black sedan pull up and a chauffeur get out. Ruby, if you'll excuse me, I have some business to attend to. Here's your name tag. He flashed it from his pocket. And here are some current invoices. Slide them under each door and get acquainted with the facilities and staff. I'll find you shortly. Val rushed toward the front desk. In his quick shuffle, he almost bumped into a man turning the corridor. Oh, Mr. Dreyer, good evening. He noticed him wiping his face. Residual blood on his hand was soaked into the black hand towel. How's that arm doing? Evening. It's better, thanks. Loving the hunting ground you installed around back. Nice touch. Glad to hear that. Don't forget to leave a comment card. Val winked before continuing his speed walk toward the front. Victor Dreyer was always a cool, quiet client. When he arrived a few days prior, he had a gaping wound that needed immediate attention. Val was slightly concerned, but lycans healed quickly. He smiled to know that the grounds he created for his werewolf customers or hunters in general was a great addition, since they preferred to hunt their own food, no matter how well they cleaned up. With one more glance at his pocket mirror, he witnessed two finely dressed clients approaching the entrance. With a quick hop skip, he was right on time to greet them at the door. Zaya Trillis. It's been ages. He held the door open for her as she and her companion crossed the threshold. Hello, Sid. It's good to see you. She was familiar with him as they embraced. And this is my escort. Paxton Gray, he offered his hand. His chest slightly puffed out. They shared a firm handshake. Smiles and friendly nods masked a brief silent test of wheels. Val Obsidian, and welcome to the Obsidian Inn. I trust your journey has been a pleasant one. He walked them toward the counter, taking both their coats. Val stole glances at her. He was a long time admirer of hers. A tall female vampire with almond-shaped eyes, blood-red like garnets. Her mahogany skin was even and smooth. Her long copper locks fell over her shoulders. He assessed her companion. He towered almost at his own height, a muscular vampire who filled out his tailored suit. Val put their coats away and walked them to the parlor. Miss Trillis, Mr. Paxson, it's an honor to have you here again at the inn. We appreciate you and your contributions. Val went to the liquor cart as his guest had a seat. Dumont crimson life. He offered them glasses of expensive blood. Impressed nods confirmed and he poured the thick beverage for them before taking a seat near them. So said. the Trillis family has been donors of the Obsidian Inn for decades now. I'm looking forward to seeing the new additions to the place. In the report, I was surprised to hear. <clears throat> she paused abruptly. Her face wrinkled in detest. Val tried to pinpoint the cause of her problem. She cleared her throat to continue and stopped again as her escort had the same reaction. Is everything okay? Val examined their faces, beginning to sweat under his suit. Zaya's face eased and a smile inched across her face. She took a sip of her glass as she looked to have realized something. It seems you have a bit of a problem going on, especially with the strict no humans rule that you have here. There aren't any humans here. I see every customer that comes through these doors. And as a practitioner of magic, I would immediately sense one. Val defended himself. Well, it looks like one got in under your nose, Sid. I'm also smelling much (laughs) lichen blood. Not losing your edge, are you? She winked at him. Maybe this could be an opportunity for you. Paxson broke his silence. Please excuse me. Val stood as Zaya nodded, raising a hand for him not to worry. Silva! The gargoyle statue in the middle of the lobby burst forth from its stone slumber. The rippling demon joined him at the parlor entrance. Val commanded the guard to protect his important guests. He walked away swiftly, grabbing his Aegis mirror. He had a few contingency spells weaved into the foundation of the Inn in case of emergency. His mirror gave him access to all mirrors in the Inn. Although unethical, it was something he never had to use before and hadn't planned on using. But today needed to go well. Miss Trillis' family contribution to the Inn was necessary. Reciting an incantation, Val watched the many images from the Inn's Aegis mirrors flash within his own. He stopped on an image that showed the inside of a suite with furniture overturned and thrown about and a dead lichen hanging over the foot of the bed frame. Referencing the guest of the room, he identified Victor Dreyer. Val stopped in his tracks, his stomach dropping to his feet. This was a vicious murder. He had set up many precautions so that this wouldn't happen. Unfortunate, but this was the current situation and it was time to take control. While in the hallway, he looked up to see Manu, a frequent guest approaching. As usual, he put on his smiling face. Hello, Miss Manu. See, there's something strange afoot. Miss smell death here and foreign magics. His longtime friend searched his face. I'm on it. Me go on cast some spells for you. The smell is strong back there. She pointed down the corridor. Val nodded and headed toward the disturbance. As he approached, everything was as normal, but the smell of lichen blood became stronger. He slowly opened the door to the suite no forced entry. The attack on Victor Dreyer was a savage one. He felt the tendrils of a remaining spell reaching at his throat, and a phonic spell was cast earlier. It was used to literally silence magic users. Scanning the tossed room, he noticed the infiltrator left no clues, no smell of human blood. This was a professional. Had it not been for his benefactors who were highly sensitive to blood, this person would have gotten away with the murder or possibly wiped out the inn without him knowing. Not on his watch. While walking out, he saw an envelope on the floor stained with blood, one of the invoices from earlier. Sir? He turned to see Ruby in the hallway. Is everything okay? I saw one of the guests setting spells along the hallways and I... She stopped in mid-sentence when she saw the disheveled room. Val closed the door behind him. I'm glad you're safe. There's been an incident in this room. I need you to do two things. One, grab one of the maids and have them clean this room and perform a code black. Two, check the common areas for guests to make sure they are safe and secure. Someone's committing crimes and I'm on the way to find them. Ruby took her orders and hurried along. Val headed back to check in with Arroya. As he passed the Amber Suite, curiosity called to him. He stopped and eyed the door. Arroya was the guest there and she should be out, but he had a hunch. He followed it and knocked on the door. No answer. He knocked harder and waited. Val unlocked the door and entered to find Aroya shackled to the bed. She was on her side, her locks hanging over the edge. Rushing to her, he used a lesser healing spell to wake her. Her eyes opened in fright as a silent scream mimed from her mouth. Are you okay? She nodded. Can you move? She lifted a finger to wait. She was clearly dazed. Did you see who did this? She slowly started drifting back to sleep. He touched the shackle and pulled back from the burning sensation. This was unknown magic. It had elements of Makai nature, but its innovation was from Gaia. Now he was pissed. He walked directly to his office and stood in front of a large vertical painting. Reaching along the wood frame, he pressed a button. The painting opening up, revealing a secret nook. Inside were rows of weaponry. Daggers, swords, blades, and artifacts on one side. Handguns, semi-automatic guns, and rifles were on the other. Removing his jacket and grabbing his harness and holsters, he armed himself lightly. He propped his large mirror inside the vault before closing it behind him. It was time for him to use the second contingency plan. Anyone checked in under the customer spell will be held in whatever room they entered in and binded from entering others. That went for employees too. A lockdown. Walking toward the infirmary, he caught a glance of someone in a red coat dragging another out of the door at the end of the corridor. Not wanting to shout and grab too much attention, he broke out into a sprint after them. Outside, he saw the unsettled gravel and loose large plumes from the struggle leading to a hunting grounds. The large hedge mazes, sculpted bushes, trees, and fields made it a perfect hiding place. Val entered the ajar gates cautiously to find Angela Volar, a female seraph wounded on the ground. Her six wings were tattered, two of them broken. Her long silken hair covered her face. Val cautiously approached her. He knew the perpetrator was nearby, but he still had a duty to his patrons. Crouching down and parting her hair, he saw her bruised and bleeding face. Her mouth was tied with a bandana. As he tried to help her up, the grounds rumbled as three woodwalkers broke through the earth. The six limbed creatures were bulky and quadruped with two extra arms on their double jointed shoulders. Their skin was smooth and earth toned with quills that protruded from their upper backs. Val eyed the creatures. He had heard of them before. They weren't originally from this realm, but hybrids. Removing his suit jacket, he wrapped it around Angela and untied the gag from her mouth. He walked her outside of the gates and closed them behind him. In the distance, he noticed the red coat sticking out like a sore thumb. His mind worked like a whale oil machine putting together the clues and he immediately figured out who it was. Very clever, he called out to her. She let out a hysterical (laughs) laugh. Using their auxiliary arms, the woodwalker stood upright and stretched a cord using three of their hands creating the function of a bow as they pulled quills from their back as arrows. The quills flew with much power, plowing directly through the wall behind him as he dodged. Without missing a beat, Val sprinted toward the creatures. His harness held his special clips exposed behind him. He slid his handguns behind his back loading special clips of cinder bullets. The woodwalkers roared and advanced toward him, too. He aimed and fired at the closest beast. As the glowing bullets entered its wooden body, it exploded into flame as lava spilled from its wounds. It bellowed in pain as it writhed in agony. Its brethren leapt into the trees and fired from above. Val rolled as the quills impacted the ground like nails. He aimed and shot one between the eyes as lava spewed from its eyes, ears, nose, and mouth. Its heavy body fell from the trees. A whistle in the distance called the attention of the remaining woodwalker as it traveled the trees back to its owner. "'Come on out, Red! How much was the bounty?' Val spat into the distance. Another giggle (laughs) followed wrapped in gunfire. With great eyesight, Val dodged between the bullets. He didn't care if she was Big Bad Red, x class night huntress. He was a high immortal with many lifetimes of experience, and there was no way a human could best him. He saw the red coat billowing in the air, a distraction. He suddenly reached into his breast pocket and pulled out a sun scythe to meet Red's signature blade in one of his jagged knocks in a flash of sparks. Val stood his ground and stared into her face, the maniacal smile enjoying every bit of the sport. Her face twisted in determination, the greed for the next bounty. She was the greed of humanity personified. Those bloodthirsty eyes, she had seen a million deaths. Big Bad Red was a night huntress who constantly took bounties in Makai her eyes struck fear and brought death to so many in the realm and they craved to see more he sensed a dark energy in her heart she was human indeed but almost as dark in nature as the makayan interesting her face twisted into anger nobody questions me about my bounty i believe i have all the right to ask about it since it involves you causing all this mayhem in my place of business val forced her back placing a well-placed kick to her torso Her body rolled as she landed on the balls of her feet, throwing knives at him. He caught them in his forearm and paused to pull them out. So, why Victor Dreyer? He pulled the small knives out. And why now? You couldn't wait until he left? I was just coming to finish the job. If it's worth anything, I'm sorry about the inn and your customers. All collateral damage. You run a nice place. I enjoyed working here for a short time. The pay was (laughs) nice. (laughs) she started laughing crazily again she was mad literally a human warmonger that's why she was able to mask her humanity so well hating to be mocked Val reached into his front vest pocket to pull out a Winchester 1887 lever action shotgun her eyes widened in surprise but quickly ushered in that thrill of the hunt As he let off round after round, she nearly matched his own speed, dodging and returning fire with a handheld machine gun. The two let off so much ammo that it sounded like a war zone between the two of them. She was an ex-class huntress. Although his own Makian nature kept him one step ahead, she was not far behind. It had been ages since he had to actually defend himself in this way. As the hunting grounds were used almost exactly as he had built them for, they were nearly decimated from the amount of gunfire, explosives and magic used. He stood, catching his breath as Big Bad Red bled while loading another (laughs) firearm. Impressive, Mr. Obsidian. She coughed and spat blood. I wouldn't have thought you a high immortal. And that miscalculation may very well be my downfall. To answer your question from earlier, Victor Dreyer was a lichen who attacked my family. I'm sure you saw what I did to him as he escaped. My granny didn't deserve any of what happened to her. Maybe it was just time, circumstance, or even karma. Doesn't matter. I just came to finish the job, like I said. I also wanted to leave, but since you and your kind insist on standing in my way... (sighs) She shrugged. Val nodded in understanding, but he felt no remorse for her. Humans had a way of blaming others for their troubles and trampling through everything to get their way. Even though she was the vilest of humanity, she didn't fail to fully live up to their expectations. Val grabbed his scythe again, ready to finish her off. She let forth another whistle from earlier and the remaining woodwalker tackled him from behind. Mm. Val wrestled with the burly beast as he hacked and slashed at his thick hide before creating distance between them. He was out of cinder bullets and nothing else he had would be effective. It roared and broke into a sprint toward him. In mid-leap, Silva swooped in, his claws impacting the woodwalker's body as they rolled into a tree, it crashing down. His gargoyle companion handled the beast as Val directed his attention back at Red. She grabbed her signature hunting knife with BB Red etched onto the blade. I'm going to wipe you all out. Val braced himself and relaxed as he noticed tendrils of hair silently looping around her limbs until they tightened. She spat and cursed, restrained as Aroya Manu walked from behind her. Her eyes glowing yellow. You dare think you can come here, attack a priestess of Hado, defile me body and wear my beautiful black skin on your disgusting body and get away with it? Her locks writhed like snakes, restraining red. More Woodwalkers appeared to their master's aid. Aroya's tattoos leapt from her exposed back in the form of yellow wolves that ran into the trees and once making contact with their prey, ignited them into flames. You love Makai so much and love to hunt our people. It's time for you to stay a bit longer. Arloya began to chant as symbols formed in a circle around the two. Red screamed and struggled as fear crept along her face. As the symbols glowed, red's skin began to turn gray where Arloya's hair made contact. A portal opened beneath them. Arloya glanced over her shoulder and waved goodbye to Val before pulling Red underneath with her. Val gathered himself and walked back inside, ready to finally close the deal. Surviving the siege with the end still standing should be a good parlay for him. High creatures of Makai understood and respected a good battle. Besides, the place could definitely use some repairs. And that was Obsidian Inn. Um, That's one of those pieces that came to me and I had to make sure to just work at it every single day to make sure that it was birthed and out. And I grabbed inspiration from many different places for that story. Uh, One more current place where I grabbed inspiration from was uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country. You know, just the idea of of Afro sci-fi fantasy in a different or earlier era. Um, I think a lot of times that as creators, when we think of the future, our minds always go straight to hyper technology and flying cars and all these things, but we don't really think much about, you know, magic or having those things exist in a later time. So I feel like they did a great job uh, creating that piece of work. And I wanted to try to play around in that place too. Uh, So one morning I was sitting listening to classic standards, you know, Nancy Wilson, Nat King Cole, Sarah Vaughn, Billie Holiday, John Coltrane, Nina Simone. You catch my drift with the vibe that I was getting. And I immediately pictured a bar scene. Um, There was, you know, warm lights, you know, men dressed in suits, brown suits, the hats, glass of cognac. There was a vintage radio playing the music that I was listening to. And Val Obsidian was born. Also, as I was sitting and thinking of these things, you know, Halloween was two weeks out. And the words all and normal kept coming to mind because of course, as the traditions go, we as humans, we dress up as quote unquote monsters and ghouls and all these things. But think about it, Halloween is an everyday thing for them. And so I was thinking, hmm, how could I capture them in their most comfortable settings, normal? And so the idea of an inn or a hotel came to mind. And I was thinking of exclusivity. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hotel Artemis. Uh, it was a movie done with Jodie Foster. Uh, she was the nurse and innkeeper of a hotel that housed assassins. So you have to have a lot of money to even stay there that night. And so I was thinking of the exclusivity of a place like that. And as I started creating, you know, the names and the personas, that was a fun part for me. I keep a bank of, of character names. and So it was good playing around with that, uh, thinking, you know, what would a witch look like? Oh, OK, what kind of witch? That kind of thing. Um, I tried to make sure to use original names as well. So, you may have heard me use the word lichen a lot. I tried to sprinkle in the definition of werewolf. That's another word, you know, werewolf and lichen is the same. Also, too, uh, when they met Mr. Dismany, he was a djinn. That's spelled D J I N N. Basically, a djinn is a genie. And so, you know, we all think of the blue genie from Aladdin, but I want to make this one a little more different. You know, black skin, and I played around with his uh, voice too. Remember the voice I used? As always, thank you, Sid. That was a good time. Um, when it came to creating the antagonist for the story, I wanted to use Red Riding Hood. Um, and as you see, you know her. Her name was Ruby O'Kappa. Ruby's red O'Kappa of the cape. You know she wears that cape over, or the hood. Also, her name, BB Red, Big Bad Red. I want to use a different kind of story where she was the bad guy. You saw she was hunting Victor Dreyer, who happened to be a wolf, werewolf, lichen. And she was there to get vengeance. And all of it was an accident. She didn't mean no have had to fight anyone, but that just kind of happened. And then toward the end of the story, uh, when it was time for you know the final climactic scenes and the action scenes, I want to take a page out of Cowboy Bebop's book. Cowboy Bebop is an anime that was released out in the 90s. It's a futuristic story about a group of bounty hunters, and whenever there's uh, either sad scenes or action scenes, they use jazz sounds, and I wanted to play along with that um, to kind of keep that smoothness of, of Val Obsidian. I played around with it, and I think it turned out pretty well. So, you as listeners, tell me what was your favorite part of the entire story. Go to my Facebook, Pin and Plume, or Instagram, Pin underscore Ann underscore Plume and just leave a comment there. And what I'll do is whoever has the best comment or I'll just choose a random one, I'll send you a writer's prize. So yeah, we'll have two prizes for this episode. I send that in and uh, I'll send that out. So now moving on over to the second portion of our show, Push Your Pin. For those who are new listeners, Push Your Pin is a segment where I name three writing prompts. It'll be a word, a random genre, or location, and literary device, which is, you know, plot, character, setting, conflict, symbol, parts of a story. I'll release three of those. Choose which one you like. Email me at podcast at gmail.com. The best one, I'll take it, produce it, and I'll play it on the next episode alongside my own. So for this week's Push Your Pin segment, the word is... Fish. Random genre is write about a world with no colors in it. And our literary device will be character. Tell us about the woman performing on the stage. Avoid adverbs. So again, that's fish, write about a world with no colors in it, and character. Tell us about the woman performing on the stage. Avoid using adverbs. Well, okay. That covers this episode seven of Pen and Plume. Thank you for listening. Uh, keep on writing and uh, pick up your pen and make it fancy with your plume. This is D Bets. I'll see you soon.